Chapter 24. In spy movies, all bodyguards are identical. With crisp black suits, massive shoulders, and murderous stares, they even wear their hair slicked back the same way, and their square faces look like they were carved from marble. That's exactly what was waiting for us behind the door. A half dozen guys who could either be pro wrestlers or well-paid thugs. They stood shoulder to shoulder and didn't even blink when we walked into the dim space, into the dim classroom-sized space. I thought maybe the guards didn't breathe either. It was so quiet, except for the bomb, bomb, bomb of the drums so far away I couldn't be sure it wasn't my heartbeat. Where are we? Hondo murmured. Security pit stop, Brooks whispered. Shh, just follow my lead. In front of us was a ticket booth lit with sickly yellow glow. There was an opening in the glass, but no ticket taker behind it. Brooks stepped up to the window, set the obsidian stones on the counter, and mumbled some words that were definitely not English. An instant later, a gray-bearded skeleton materialized. Out of thin air. Eyeballs floated in his eye sockets, and he wore a long white tuxedo jacket with a dead, with a dead red rose pinned to one of his silk lapels. Hondo gasped. What the? The bearded skeleton was weird enough, but on his shoulder was a small brown monkey with reptilian eyes. Its long tail thrashed through the air, and it clasped its hairy little paws together like it was smothering something between them. You have invitation, the skeleton said with a deep raspy voice. Brooks pushed the obsidian stones toward him and said, just let us in, Flacco. No invitation, no travel to top, even for you, Flacco said. Then the rules. Brooks wasn't going to give up so easily. I'll be sure to tell Jordan and Bird you turned away fresh meat. Hondo gave me a sideways glance and mouthed slowly, fresh meat? Do you see what I see? He whispered to me. That Escalito is wearing a tux. Seriously, I whispered back. How about the fact that he's a living skeleton or he's got an evil little monkey that probably has fangs? Hondo folded his arms across his chest and leaned closer. You think it has fangs? Flacco studied the stones and handed them back to Brooks. No entrance with no invitation. Brooks propped her elbows on the booth. Listen, Flacco, I lost it. And this is a surprise visit, so I can wish them a happy birthday in person. Stroking his silvery beard, the skeleton eyed me. You a gimp? That why you here? You want favor? Brooks turned to me and whispered. He can see through the enchantment. That's why he's got this job. I wanted to whack Flacco upside his bony head, but I held my cool. He's a magician, Brooks said casually to Flacco. It's part of the birthday surprise. The monkey clapped and smiled. Its silver chompers were huge, and when it clicked them together, it sent chills down the back of my neck. Flacco eyed us, glanced at the row of guards, then looked back to Brooks and grunted. Fresh meat, humph, magic, humph, he gripped a pen. They got names, he asked her, like we weren't even here. Brooks spat out some made up names, El Rey and Arana, she sputtered. Hondo shoulder bumped me, mouthing, I'm the king. I had to admit my uncle looked good tall but it felt super weird to peer up at him, even if it was only a couple of inches. Monkey screeched, the monkey screeched, making Hondo and me jump at the same time. Flacco scratched under the little beast's chin. Neither looks like a king or a frog. Well, maybe that one there. He was pointing at me with his bony finger. He might be a frog, he said with a chuckle. Rana, that was the best Brooks could come up with. The skeleton jotted down the names and then reached under the counter. Your funeral, he muttered as the wall to her right opened with a grin with a groan. Before we could go in, three guards 
stepped forward to pat us down. My stomach roiled when my thug found the Jaguar Jade and motioned for me to hand it over. Brooks and Hondo peered closer, holding it up for the guy's inspection. I said, lucky tooth, except it hasn't been very lucky. I tried to laugh casually, but ended up sounding like a big phony. The guy held up the stone, examined it, then handed it back to me with a grunt. I let, it out a, I let out a long breath as I set it safely back in my pocket and entered the opening. When Brooks pressed the button on the wall, I realized we were in an elevator, but it wasn't an ordinary elevator. It was a gold cage illuminated by a pale blue glow. What's that tooth? Brooks asked. How could I answer without breaking my promise to Pacific not to tell anyone about her? She'd never said how long I had to keep the secret, though, so I guess I could have told Brooks that I'd met the goddess of time who was hiding under the ocean, but it might be dangerous for Brooks to have that kind of information. In the same way she had tried to protect Jazz, I needed to protect her. I got it from Miss Cat, I said, thinking quickly. How come I've never seen it before, Hondo asked. Brooks' eyes bored into me with an intensity that made me dizzy. So, I said, wanting to change the subject, Jordan and Bird are the twins? Yeah, I was a little slow on the uptake. If they're so tough, why do they use synonyms? Pseudonyms. Brooks looked up, watching the exposed cables carry us. They changed their names to fit in when they came to the US. I guess they're named after some basketball stars from back in the day. Best clutch players ever, Hondo mumbled. What's clutch? Brooks asked. Hondo glanced at me, then away quickly. Just, er, they work perfectly under pressure and um, they always find a way to succeed at the last possible moment. My mouth went dry. I didn't want to think about the twins' super strengths anymore. Turning to Brooks, I said, frog, really? You know what a group of frogs is called, she asked. A herd, Hondo guessed. I shook my head and adjusted my cuffs. An army. Brooks smiled softly but kept her gaze straight ahead. Okay, maybe a frog, maybe being a frog wasn't so bad after all. A terrible pressure began building in my chest as the elevator climbed. Wait a second. I could have sworn this building wasn't tall. So how... I peered at the buttons for the first time. Instead of numbers, there were dots and lines, three dots in a row, a single dot over a line. Brooks caught my gaze. Maya numbers, she explained. How far up does this thing go? Hondo wondered aloud. All the way to the top, Brooks said. Er, the building is only like a couple stories high. With a shrug, Brooks said, magic. The higher we went, the more I worried. What if Brooks was right about the twins? I mean, why would they want to help me? No one gives secrets away for free. And if I wanted their secrets for defeating Apooch, I was going to have to earn them, except they didn't have anything valuable to trade. The doors panged open to a domed chamber. And at the center, a huge statue of, a huge stone statue of two guys, at least 10 feet tall. Let me guess, Hondo groaned, Jordan and Bird. I grew closer to get, I drew closer to get a, look at their massive muscles, chiseled faces, defiant eyes, and broad shoulders. I'd seen a photo of the statue of David once. That's what reminded me. That's what this reminded me of. Except the twins had clothes on and looked a whole lot meaner. A falcon sat on the shoulder of one of the brothers, its wings spread, ready to take flight. These guys definitely didn't look anything like the illustrations in my book. The statue's eyes were raised like they were encouraging visitors to look up at the domed ceiling. It was brightly lit and every inch was covered with images of the twins in action, running down a ball court, standing on top of a mountain with spears raised, cutting off the head of a demon runner. This was their story painted in vivid, vivid full color for all their opponents to see before they walked in. Talk about psychological warfare. Brooks stood in front of a pair of carved wooden doors. 
Brooks, or sorry, music and chatter boomed from the other side. Whatever you guys do, Brooks said, don't make them mad. Hondo bounced in place. Yeah, well, maybe they shouldn't make us mad. What happens when they get mad? I asked, not sure. I really wanted to know. They usually throw you off the building, she said, like that was the most normal thing in the world. Oh, I said, is that all? Brooks pushed open the doors. It was party city. The enormous multi-tiered terrace was packed with people mingling, laughing, and dancing to some really bad techno music that blared from all directions. And they all wore these weird lifelike masks of lions, sharks, snakes, and skeletons. There were palm trees that swayed in the night breeze. A few shirtless fire jugglers flung torches toward the sky. They rotated back down at a frightening speed casting strange shadows across the oblivious crowd. The sickening smell of kerosene filled the air as my eyes scanned the masked faces. Hondo let out a low whistle. Looks like a Halloween party, Capitan, not a birthday party. Brooks stepped behind a wall into the shadows. It's all show. They believe the masks contain the spirit of the animal or whatever they're wearing. How come we didn't get one? Hondo sounded disappointed. We got enchantment, I said, thinking that was way cooler than a mask. He's right, Brooks pressed against the wall like she was hiding. I doubt anyone here has encantamiento. Too expensive and hard to come by these days. Masks are the next best thing. Who are all these? I didn't know what to call them because I didn't know if they were human. Some are human, some supernatural, Brooks said. I took it all in. There was a massive stone fireplace with roaring flames and beyond the roof's edge were dozens of skyscrapers. Maybe it was a trick of the light, but they seemed to be wobbling slightly like they were made of jello. I had a feeling this wasn't an actual view of LA, but a magically created one. Can this be real? Honda whispered. Brooks peered around the corner. See that bear masked guy over there by the waterfall? The skinny one, I asked. Yeah, he's human. Comes every year to ask for help with his music career. The twins have big connections in Hollywood and most of the people here are looking for access to those. That butterfly girl over there, she probably wants to be a model. And that shark, she pointed to a short stout, act, short stout guy, an actor. Sounded like she spent plenty of time here. You said the twins traded magic, I said, staying focused, but humans don't have magic. Sure they do. I gave her a confused look. Brooks let out a slow breath. Dreams, talents, love. How are those things magic? Hondo loosened his tie. In our world, they aren't so easy to come by, Brooks said, which makes them magic. Hang on, I said. Are you telling me people actually give up their talents? She nodded, suddenly looking miserable. Say you're really good at wrestling. She glanced at Hondo to make her point. You trade it for something else you want. But what if the thing that you want is the thing you're good at, I asked, like the singer. You get the favor as a loan. Brooks paused and glanced sideways for a moment. Then when the twins call it in, bye-bye talent, Hondo guessed. Yep, or whatever it is you've traded. Okay, so that was twisted. To our right was a huge pool with a waterfall cascading over massive boulders. Waiters in skeleton masks and black polo shirts and shorts carried colorful drinks with little umbrellas or offered finger food and fancy cocktail napkins. I'm starving. Hondo grabbed a skewered shrimp off a passing tray and grinned ear to ear. I think I'm going to like it here. Don't eat anything, Hondo, Brooks said. This is not a good place to linger. Let's just get in and get out. Then came a deep voice. What's your rush? Brooks went stone still. I turned and I knew. It was one of the twins. The guy seemed about 16, was at least 6'5", and had biceps even bigger than Hondo's. Actually, he was almost as sculpted as his statue and maybe fiercer looking. He winked at Brooks, hooked his arm over her shoulder and said, hello, little sister. 